Welcome to Christ Life. My name is Andrew. And uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through a study, uh, the discipline and dependence. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 2, really quick, of why we're doing this study. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who, has a, who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And so our study we see right out of the book of Philippians is we see that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work in us. And how those work together is we basically, I love how Pastor Brian has said this in the past, we pray as if it's totally dependent on God and we work hard and work out our salvation as if it's totally dependent upon us, right? And so I've heard also Steve Lawson say, God's worked in your salvation, you now you need to work it out. And so uh, that is our series. We've talked about that we need to be disciplined in the Word of God. We need to be dis dis disciplined uh, in purity, sexual purity. We need to be disciplined with what we put into our minds. And now we're coming into tonight and we're going to talk about the discipline of the tongue. So let's begin. How many of you have heard this saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Raise your hand if you've heard that saying before. Okay, I think everybody's hand, I hope everybody's hand went up because that was very common when I was younger. And the question that I had to ask during that is, is that true? Certainly, sticks and stones, if you throw a big stone at me, I'm sure I'll break a bone somewhere. But is it true that words never hurt? As I've studied in Scripture because of the warnings that we find, I am not convinced that that saying is true, even though we would all like to think that that's true. How many of us have said something we wish we could take back? I don't need a show of hands, but how many of us have said something that we wish we had never said or we justify it and say something like this. I said it, but I, don't, I didn't really mean it that way. Or I didn't really mean it. Or that's not really like me to say something like that. I couldn't have said that. Or how about on the reverse side of things? Have you ever been so discouraged in life and God places somebody in your life and just by what they said, it totally changed your day. And so I think all of us have had times in our life where the tongue has been either totally destructive and cut somebody down, either you were the one doing it, or somebody did it to you. And then on the reverse, I hope at some point somebody has so, you have been so discouraged and somebody's come up beside you and said something or been there and said something that has so encouraged you that you are so grateful to God for that situation. And so the first question on there, and, the, and really we're going to talk about 
the tongue tonight. And so that's kind of introduction. But first on our outline is where does our speech come from? And so turn with me in your Bible to Matthew. And they're right there next to you. But it's, we're going to first look at Matthew 15 to see what Jesus says about where our speech comes from. Matthew chapter 15, verse 15, and I need to give some background. Right now, the Pharisees are talking with Jesus, and really, the Pharisees ask, Jesus, why are you and your men, why whenever you eat, don't you wash your hands before? And really, the reason that they're asking this question is because it it says that the Pharisees made up more rules. God did have law, and that's the Mosaic law, but But these elders, the religious leaders of the time, they also said, but you need to do this as well. They expounded, they they made more of the law than what the law really said. They tried to go farther. And Jesus really blatantly in this section says, why do you hold up the traditions of man over the word of God? And so really what's going on is these men think that if I wash my hands and if I have external conformity to what they say, I'll be right before God. And Jesus takes this opportunity and says, no, that is not how you are unclean or right before God. And so now we pick it up in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 15. And so Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. And so, Verse 15, we'll just walk through this. Verse 15, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Verse 16, Jesus said, are you still lacking understanding also? So Peter, a Jew, trying to understand because of the religious leaders around him, he needs further clarification. Now Jesus isn't being rude here and saying, are you still lacking understanding? But he's really he's pointing out Peter and the, the other disciples You've been with me long enough. You should know how to work through this. I've talked about this before. And then he continues, and in, in being kind as our Lord is, he uses it and he continues, Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? And that's exactly, and, and that makes sense. The food that actually comes into our bodies has nothing to do with our cleanness before God. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching here. That if we're looking to be unclean before God, we probably shouldn't be looking at the food. In verse 18, but the things that proceed out of the mouth. So it's not that goes in. It's not the food or the things or the unwashed hands that you touch something and that we should... that that defile us, but it's what proceeds out of the mouth. And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight, the discipline of the tongue. And it says it comes from the heart. And those defile the man. And so tongue, our tongues, it actually comes from our heart. 
And so this doesn't really, I mean, as far as those who are in pre-med or something, the heart and the tongue are not necessarily connected. But in spiritual sense and in our walk with the Lord, the heart and the tongue are very close connected because Jesus says whatever's in the heart is going to come out of our mouth. And verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. And so it's very clear, Jesus is teaching, that what we say with our mouth comes from our heart. And that's what defiles And that's exactly what these Pharisees needed to see is that it's not their religious activity that made them unclean, but who they were, their hearts needed to be changed. And so at the beginning, I asked you, have you ever said something and you wish you could take it back or you wanted to justify it by saying, you know, I didn't really mean it. Yeah, you did. Because in your heart, that's exactly what you said. That's exactly what was in your heart. Or that other question that I asked, that's just not me to say something maybe that mean or sarcastic. Yes, it is. That's what came out of your heart. Your mouth revealed what was in your heart. Now turn to Matthew 12 as well. Jesus is going to continue to talk about the heart and the mouth being together. Matthew 12, 34 and 35 A little background right here. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man in verse 22. The Pharisees say that, Jesus, the only reason you can do that is because you have a demon. So by the power of a demon, you are casting out other demons. So that's what's going on right here. In verse 34, you brought of vipers. This is to the Pharisees. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. And so again, we see Jesus connecting these two things, that what's in the heart is what they speak, and he even asks them, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of which fills the heart. But Jesus also leaves that the good man can also speak what is good. He doesn't just limit it, but he is saying that what's inside is going to come out of your mouth. And so when I talk about discipline or when we talk together about discipline of the tongue, what I need all of us to realize is that this is a hard issue. I could, and this is an example of my life before I was a Christian, I wanted to stop swearing because I thought that after I came off of a a church camp that I should stop. And so me and my buddy, whenever we would swear, either I would hit him or he would hit me in the arm. And I thought, that's going to be it. I mean, as soon as I get enough bruises, I will stop sinning by swearing. And yet we all chuckle, and yet it was a heart issue. I needed a new heart. I didn't need to get punched in the arm. And so... Tonight, if you don't know Christ, the Scriptures teach us from Nicodemus and John 3 that you must be born again. That you can't do it on your own, but God has to change your heart. I can tell you to stop saying things all day long, but this is a hard issue. 
And we need new hearts. And for Christians, now it's the discipline. Because God has given us His Spirit in a way to do this, to discipline ourselves. But if you don't know Christ, then really what I'm going to say is really meaningless because you need a new heart. And what I'm not saying is that non, I'm not saying that non-Christians can't say nice things. You know, and I know plenty of non-Christians that say nice things. And so I'm not saying that they can't say nice things, but I, what I am saying is what Scripture says is that maybe to your face things are going well and they can say nice things, but inwardly their heart is not changed and that it will come out in their speech one way or another. It's going to come out. And so our second one, we know where our speech comes from. It comes from the heart. Our second thing on our outline is that there's a warning and there's some dangers of our speech. What you fill with your heart will come out in your, out of your mouth. If you fill your heart with wickedness, what do you think is going to come out of your mouth? If you have a discontent heart, what do you think you're going to talk about? If you have if you're in, if you have an envious heart, what do you think you're going to talk about? What happens a critical heart? What do you think is going to come out of your mouth? What about an angry heart? Do you get the point? Are you killing, Christian, are you killing sin in your life? And you want a litmus test. See what you're saying. See what you're saying. To see the warning... A really a frightening warning. Turn with me to the book of James. It's going to be to the right. It's probably easiest to go to Revelation and then come back. Go to James chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. And here is a warning for us of the tongue. James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce 
fresh. We're going to walk through James's warning of the tongue. And I hope that you approach it with humility because every time I read through this, even now, it, it kind of makes me kind of pause. Verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. James is saying you want to see somebody who's mature or a perfect man in some translation, you'll tell by how they use their speech. Verse 3, Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Who grew up riding horses around here? I mean, like quite a bit. There we go. There's one, two. There's a few. Now, you can grab a horse when they start bucking with you, as I, because I've done it before, and you just pull on your rein, and which has and it's tied to it, and you just pull their head around, and then they just spin circles, right? And if they're really wound up, they will spin for a while. And yet, you can guide and direct a horse with just this little thing in their mouth. Verse 4 looks at ships. Look at the ships also. They, they, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. And on massive ships, if you've ever been around there, in comparison to the boat size compared to the rudder, I mean, it is tiny, right? Verse 5, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And how many of us have seen huge fires or heard or smelled them in our area and sometimes we hear it's because one spark just lit a huge forest on fire. So our tongue is very small as verse 5 says and yet it boasts of great things. The importance of the tongue and how we use it is magnified. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue, is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. The tongue can be used as a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue can encourage others to pursue more wickedness. The tongue can be used to completely mow somebody down. The tongue is deadly. And it says that it defiles the entire body. Sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Our tongues, again, here our tongues can be this if we let them. It can have all kinds of wicked things said from it. Before I was a Christian, I said wicked and evil things and encouraged others to do the same with my tongue out of my heart. How many people, how many church splits do you think there has been in America alone because of 
confrontation and people saying things that they never should. We're not exempt in the church. There's confrontation all the time. And it reveals where our hearts are. Verse 7 continues, For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by human race. I mean, think about it. We can ride horses. We get on bulls. We get on little steers. We have dolphins that you can do flips on. I mean, humans have tamed so many animals. But look at what verse 8 says, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. How many of you think about your tongue as a restless evil and full of deadly poison? I think of snakes when I think of poison. I don't really think about myself very often. But I ought to. And certainly, we can, by God's grace, we can change how we use our tongue. But I'm afraid that we have people out here right now that when they hear about a tongue that is restless evil and deadly poison, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I met up with a friend today that his relationship with his parents are, is so terrible and it's because of how they speak and they interact. They use their tongues for wickedness. And look at verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father. We praise God, Amen, with our tongues. And with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Isn't that true? We bless God and then somebody cuts us off on the road and we say something about that person. We don't even know who they are and we don't even think that they've been made in the likeness of God. And so we use our tongues for wickedness. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursing. Here's the scary part. I started reading through that and I thought, that looks like unbelievers to me. My brethren, believers, these things ought not to be this way. So here's a warning from James in his church to his people. Don't use your tongue like this. Do you see the implications? Do you see the importance of how we use our words? And he continues just to drive it home. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And know what the answer to all that is? Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? No. Or a vine produce figs? No. Nor can salt water produce fresh. Yes, that's true. So how are we using our tongues? It doesn't make sense if, we're, if our hearts have been changed by God to use our tongue as restless evil and deadly poison. It doesn't make any sense. And so there's a warning here by James, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Now, I'm not questioning anybody's salvation, but I think Christians, we are certainly in here that we can use this. But I think this whole fountain 
If our hearts have been changed and we love God, why are we trying to send out bitter water? It doesn't make any sense. And so I wanted to warn us about the tongue because whenever I read that, I am just... The language, James is not backing down. He is hitting us with the tongue. But what about the positives? How can we then use our tongues not for wickedness, not to set forth a flame with our tongue or as poison, but how can we use our tongues for God's glory? I did some fill in the blanks. That's the first time I've ever done that in a handout. So the first one is proclaiming the glories of God. Turn with me to 1 Peter. It's literally just the book to the right. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to talk about how can we use our speech tonight and moving forward for the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." And so we study about what God says in His Word about who we are, and we find that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that we may proclaim His excellencies. We use our tongues to proclaim the God that we serve. Tell your roommates, tell your family, tell that proclaim God's greatness to all people. Use our tongues for that purpose. And we've talked about this being a heart issue, and so I'm going to piggyback off of what Deontay said. We've got to be in the Word of God to figure out what that is. What is God like? Well, we better get in the Word of God. We better saturate our hearts with the glories of God. We need a big God view. When somebody says, oh, that, hap- you know, that was good luck, you can say, I don't believe in luck. I think God knows what He's doing. Amen. Let's proclaim, let's use our tongues to proclaim God's glory on the earth. Move over to Colossians chapter 3. That's to our left. I'm sure you can put together more ways, and I would encourage you to put together more ways on how we can use our tongues for God's glory, but right now, there's just a few things that I thought about for this. We're going to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, there it is again, chosen of God, holy or set apart, and beloved by God, we could just stop there and think about that for a while. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Again, I need to remind us, what comes out of our mouth is in our hearts. And so when we see, put on a heart of compassion, if you and I put a heart of compassion on, what do you think is going to come out of our mouths? We're going to be compassionate towards people. Somebody may be critical at the person, and you're going to go, you know what, I don't know what's going on in their life. 
I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's going to come out. Not criticalness. Or kindness. Or humility. Think about if you're humble, what comes out of your mouth is not going to be about yourself. That would just make sense. If your heart is full of humility, if you're growing in humility, out of your mouth is not going to come self-centered talk. Verse 13, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against you, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love. If your heart is full of love, I don't want to continue to say this, but what's going to come out of your mouth? Which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Here is what I wanted to get at. Verse 16, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. you got to get the Word of God in your heart with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Did you catch it? Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Use your speech to encourage your brothers and sisters in their faith. What is Barnabas known for in Acts chapter 11? He went there and he encouraged the brethren to continue walking with the Lord. Let's use our tongues to encourage one another to continue and exhort them. And if your heart's full of love and, you have, and you're exhorting, I don't think it's going to come off harsh. I mean, you stink and love that guy and I don't want you to go down and sin. Use your language, use your words to encourage one another and exhort one another to continue in the faith. Not to divide churches, but to bring unity. And remember, it's a heart issue. So throughout that, if that's in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. I mean, he talks about being thankful in our hearts to God. Singing to God. Using our words to sing. Number three, evangelism. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. This is like the best evangelism section in the Bible. Uh, that's probably not true, but I do like it. It fires me up. Third, evangelism. It could be tied with proclaiming the glories of God, but this is even more pointed in Romans 10, verse 12 through 15. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent, just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. That's challenging enough. How is your neighbor or your brother or your sister or your family members ever going to come to Christ without you telling about him? I mean, you look at the history of the Bible and people are not going to arrive at Jesus Christ without somebody telling them. They're just not. They're, not, they're going to make little gods or something and they're going to worship them because 
there is written on their heart that there is a Creator, but they're not going to arrive at Jesus. So let's use our words to share the Gospel with people. Let's not divide people. Let's not use our tongues to increase wickedness. But let's number one, proclaim the glories of God. Two, encourage and exhort brothers and sisters in the faith. And let's use our tongues to share the Gospel. Now some people that I've talked to because it's and I think that this is good, that they say, I'm just going to live in front of my coworkers because I'm a Christian. And I love that. You need to. I need to do that. But as I've looked at that our hearts are connected with our mouths, if you're not telling them of why you're like you are, and you're not telling them of Jesus, then I'm not quite sure what's in your heart. And I'm not saying that, you don't, that you're not saved. Don't, don't, don't hear that. But what I'm saying is if we are filled, if our minds are saturated, our hearts are saturated with the Word of God and God's grace towards us through Christ, it's going to come out of our mouths. It is. It's going to come out of our mouths. It should come out of our mouths. It only makes sense that it would. And so let's use our speech for the glory of God, not cutting down the people that God has made. And so I think it's appropriate for me to ask, how are you using your speech? What is coming out of your mouth? It's great. It's going to reveal your heart. If it's anger, then you know that you've got anger in your heart and by God's grace, you can kill that. You can kill that. Well, let's pray together. There's some, there's some questions at the bottom of the sheet. I hope that you would look at it at the end and think about this. Is this anybody's Bible? I grabbed this out of the lost and found. but Okay, I'll go put it back. Um, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, thank You for Your Word, and it helps us to understand what's going on in our lives and in the lives around us. When things come out of our mouths that don't align with Your Word, maybe we're bitter or angry. God, I don't want us to brush it off as if it's no big deal. Because it's revealing what's in our hearts. God, James says that if we don't stumble with what we say, we're perfect. And God, I desire that these men and women and myself that we would be mature and that we would use our words for Your glory. So fill our hearts with the glories of Christ. Fill our hearts with kindness and compassion. God, help us to discipline our tongues, our mouths to encourage brothers, exhort brothers and sisters to use it for evangelism to proclaim Your excellencies on this earth. God, we thank You and we love You. Thank You for sustaining us. Thank You for caring for us. We pray through Jesus. Amen.